Hello everyone and welcome back to Industry Perspectives. I'm your host Ainsley Bowden and in this episode I'm speaking with Jez Corden from Windows Central. Now I was fortunate enough to meet Jez at E3 in 2019 and since then we've chatted a few times about things gaming industry related and so I sat down with Jez to talk about how he got into gaming, what led him to blog writing and eventually Windows Central, the growth of the outlet and uh, what Xbox is doing in the industry whether it be Game Pass, xCloud or other things. We also cover gaming sites, uh, algorithms, YouTube, Google. We get into it all. Let's jump in. All right, we're kicking off with Jez from Windows Central. Jez, man, I know it's been a little while since we chatted, man. It's good to have you on. How you doing? Yeah, thanks for having me, dude. It's all good. Uh, it's been a very busy Monday for news. Uh, <laughs> yes. you know, I, I don't know when this video is going to go out, but on the 15th of March, uh, Xbox decided to dump an avalanche of news on game journalists today, uh, which was fun and nice to see, but, you know, <laughs> a lot of work. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's a bit crazy. Um, so th- this will go live tomorrow, um, so it won't be long. Um but yeah, man, this it's, you know, as we record this, at least my time, it's only mid afternoon and it's been, uh, it's been a day already. So yeah, it's crazy. Um, I did actually already load up prey cause I I've played, I played it at launch. Um, I played it on my PC about a few months ago and then uh, I just loaded up earlier with the FPS boost and the, uh, auto HDR. And, and I'm telling you, man, it makes my PC version look weak. Like it looks so much better. <laughs> it's unbelievable. How, how much of an improvement it is yeah it's well like i it didn't even download a patch i i need to i don't even know how they do this stuff like i was expecting it to download the whole game again or something but yeah. now i was just like oh no it's fps boosted and it just happens i don't know the technical details on how they achieve this i, was, I think jason ronald went into it the uh, xbox architect went into it on a podcast or something at some point i need to I need to do my research, but it's yeah. a pretty special feature, man. It's it's incredible. I mean, that entire team over there, I, I joked in one of my articles, I called them wizards. You know what I mean? They just, it's unbelievable what they're accomplishing with the backwards compatibility. Um, as uh, Carl that writes for our site likes to say, it's a masterclass, you know, and uh, yep. how to do this. It's it's crazy. But anyway, yeah, we'll uh, obviously with us talking, we'll, we'll talk about Xbox and some of uh, what's going on with, um, you know, there, I mean, it goes without saying with Bethesda and the Game Pass announcements and everything else. They're just they're firing on all cylinders right now, which is great to see. Um, so we'll obviously touch on it a little more later. But before we do that, of course, so, you know, one thing I really wanted to touch on. I know when you came onto our podcast um, a few months back, we talked a l- real briefly about your gaming history. But I think for people listening to this and kind of understanding how you got where you are today, um, you know what? as a kid or, or what got you into games initially? Like when did that point in your life hit where you really loved video games and kind of felt that passion for it? Man, I'm really lucky because I got like, there's a lot of techies in my family, I guess. Okay. And my earliest gaming exposure was like, I was about, I don't know, maybe two or three years old. And um, my mom's brother, my uncle had an Atari 2600. Beautiful. Uh, that uh you know the, the with the wood finish of course the, yeah and the the awfully unresponsive joysticks i like even as a little <laughs> even as a tiny child i remember the thinking man these joysticks are unresponsive you know even as a tiny child but um like 
I was I was just hyped on just the you know even though it was just like man like little little sticks bouncing around the screen you know those sort of yeah eight bit sound effects or whatever they were you know um, I was fascinated by that and uh, my parents like because I don't I think I don't think you could even buy an Atari twenty six hundred anymore um, by the time I was like mom I want one of these you know okay so um, they got me a Sega Master System. Yes, um, we're talking. I don't know if uh, were they called something else in America? Were they no? The, the Master System was the Master System. It's just that the Mega Drive here was called the Genesis. Yeah, that that yeah. was the one that was different. Well, I had like the Sega Master System with Alex Kidd Miracle yes. World built into it. Classic, and you know Sonic. I remember, I remember bathing in the glow of a cathode ray tube TV, black and white, in my <laughs> in my in my living room. Um, struggling desperately to kill Robotnik as a little kid. Um, I can't remember what. I remember getting so frustrated that twisting that square square little controller, <laughs> the masses of controller. <laughs> like, I was this one boss, like, one of the later levels. I remember that was like my first gaming rage. I remember over the, over one of one of those one of those Robotnik boss fights. And then I, I killed him eventually, and I was like, yeah, and it felt so good. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally hooked on this now. Yeah. And then I went from like I went from that to, and then one of my neighbors got a, a Mega Drive or a Genesis, okay. like the original one, the big yeah. chunky one with yeah, the yeah. with the with the sliding volume. Yes, the headset volume, which I used like to that. use as a kid with little headphones. Yeah, yeah. Um, they got one of those, and I was like, "Oh my god, the graphics are so much better on this. Yeah, it, it almost looks real, you know." <laughs> <laughs> like, and I got a Sega. I didn't actually. I don't think I got. Initially, I didn't get a Sega Mega Drive because my parents were like, "Well, you've got a mass system, you know," and like they couldn't tell the difference. Of course, and I was like, "I was like, but man, it's so much better." But then I was, uh, I had appendicitis really bad. I was like, I don't know, maybe seven or eight or something mm -hmm. like that. I had appendicitis really bad, and I had, like it was so bad that I had like sepsis and stuff. I was really ill, and um. I was in I was in hospital for weeks and weeks and weeks with these with these infections and stuff because like I just sort of I had like a burst appendix but I just ignored it mm. and I was like oh it's just it's just a bit of stomachache oh it's just a bit of throwing up you know and I just ignored it and I got I made myself really ill and um, the doctor was like he's got a, he's only got a few hours to live Jesus. <laughs> I had to rush the rush the hospital and had all these operations but um, while I was recovering. Uh, the hospital that I was in, um, I was for some reason I was separated from all the other kids on the ward. I don't know why. I don't know if uh, was I was weak immune system or something. I, I don't know why. Hmm. But I was like I was in like isolation for some reason, and um, they gave me a Super Nintendo with. Um, and it was my first exposure to Nintendo because okay. like I don't know why. Like no no nobody I knew had a Super Nintendo for whatever reason. So I don't you know never if played like the NES at any point. No, I never touched. I didn't wow. know anyone who had an NES or a Game Boy or anything like that. I wow. don't know if they just like were less popular in Britain or something. But right. everyone I knew had Sega, Sega stuff. So, okay. Um, but the the hospital had a Super Nintendo, and uh, it was my first exposure like to uh, Mario All Stars. I played through all of those while I was in hospital. Super Metroid as well, mm, which I classic. absolutely adored that game. Yep. Um, and also a weird game called Plock. You ever play Plock? I don't know. That doesn't ring a bell. Man, Plock was a weird game. If anyone <laughs> listening to this remembers Plock, shout out. It's yeah. like Plock was like 
look it up on YouTube later. Pluck okay. was this game where you played as a little, a little, little red and yellow gremlin thing, and you attacked enemies by ripping your arms and legs off and throwing them at enemies. <laughs> and like the enemies were like, would vomit toenails on you and stuff like that. It was such a weird game. Um, and I'm looking in, it up right now. Yeah, it was, it was weird, man. And it was aggressively right. difficult. Okay. Um, and the, the whole premise of the game was some monster had, had stolen your flag from your house and you wanted to get it back. Your flag? So you try to look, yeah, it's about finding flags, man. It was such a weird game. <laughs> that great music, though. Like, really memorable music. Like, it's playing in my head right now. But, like... It just moved so much faster than like even the like the frame rate and stuff. It was even even faster than like the, my neighbor's Mega Drive, and I was just like, man, I gotta have me one of these. Of course. And um, as a as a like get getting well president present not present present when I got out of hospital, uh, my parents got me Super Nintendo. Nice. And then, man, I'm going through like the whole history now. This is this is potentially really super boring, but no, no, you're um, good. This is what it's all about, man. This is what it's all about. <laughs> I love it. Oh man, I I just I just de- defined stage of my life through what consoles I had. Yeah, hey, um, yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, and after Super Nintendo, I had uh, PlayStation One. Okay, and then like my uh, my siblings were old enough to they started having their own consoles too. So like my brother would get an N64, I'd get a PS2, <laughs> he'd get a Dreamcast, and a GameCube, and I'd get a GameCube, and then. Um, you know, it just sort of went on from there, you know. Mm-hmm. I had a PS2. I remember getting Silent Hill 2 for Christmas. That was my central Christmas present, God. Silent Hill 2. Still Very one strange. of the best horror games ever. Yeah. I love that game. Stra- strange strange gift to have for Christmas. But like, you know, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> my parents just thought, like, they were all toys, you know. And I was like, right. yeah, I really, need, I really need this super violent 18-rated video game. And they're just like, oh, yeah, it's just a toy. And I, I was like, I don't know, maybe 12 years old or something when Sonic Hill 2 came out. Okay. And I was like, I'd be I'd be sitting there, like, playing it with the sound off because it was so so terrifying. It was. <laughs> it was. I used to, like, I used to like put the radio on instead of listening to <laughs> Akira Yamoka's music. Like, told, really bad. But, um, oh, man. But then, like, um, I didn't play games for a long, a long time. Okay. Some well, I did, but I didn't play like a wide variety of games. Like I, I ended up getting a gaming PC eventually. Okay. Like uh, my parents had watched this um, TV show called Tomorrow's World. Okay. And Tomorrow's World is like a British documentary where it's cancelled now, I think. But it was like it was a British documentary where they they talk about future technology and mm-hmm. robotics and stuff like that. And you know they got a lot of stuff wrong. But their report about the internet was bang on. And they were like, in the future, all businesses will be internet-based. All jobs will be internet-based. And, you know, you know, a lot of them are, you know. And my parents were like, oh, wow, we better, we better get our kids a computer if we're gonna, if they're gonna, you know, have to keep up with the world and stuff. So I ended up with a PC that was good enough to run, you know, some games. So I switched over to Unreal Tournament. Of course, and you know, started playing PC games a lot more. Played Unreal Tournament '99 to death. Uh, <laughs> I just played that like constantly for years, yeah. and I just sort of ignored everything else that was going on in the gaming world. And then um, I was going out a lot more and playing games a little bit less here and there. Yeah. And then, like uh, World of Warcraft came out right 
in the middle of my A-levels in high school. Okay. And, um, yeah, so I failed on my A-levels to because uh, of World of Warcraft. So for us in the U.S., that would be like your finals, your senior finals. For people yeah, who may finals. not know what A-levels are. Yeah, Yeah, 17-year-old, yeah. 17-ish when World of Warcraft came out. And it was the final year of high school, um, I suppose equivalent. And uh, I had all these exams. And I remember I remember my guild leader was like, Jez, we need you to uh, fight Nefarian, which is this like evil, evil dragon. Sure. And I was like, but dude, I got a geography exam. And he was like, yeah, but think of the loot, man. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're right. So I ended up like, yeah, I just started skipping, skipping exams and skipping school to play World of Warcraft. I was so addicted to this game. Wow. And um, I just didn't, I barely touched my 360. Okay. Because then when I was in high school, there was this, um, and I think they still have it in Scotland and Northern Ireland, maybe. But in England, they've cancelled this now for English English kids. Sorry, sorry, English kids. But you used to get like $40 a week just for attending school. Kids did. Okay. Um, every kid in England who like earned, whose parents earned below a certain amount, like poor sure. kids, basically, they get free money just for attending school. And the, the idea was that the money would help them, you know, get the the same kind of stuff and you know computers and to help them with their education sure but we used to just spend it on crap i used to like we used to we used to take this money and we used to buy like remote control cars and just drive them around and smash them up and just leave them in the park like we, we were like teenagers we didn't know what to do with money and um you know we'll just go go to like an expensive cake shop and buy like a massive like wedding cake and just have all the kids are, we, and we take it and we'd eat this like wedding cake, you know, that costs like hundreds of pounds. We just all put our money together every Friday and just buy stupid stuff. But oh my God. I saved up some of mine and I bought my Xbox 360 with it. Um, was it the Xbox one? I don't know. God, I, I can't, might be getting my Xboxes mixed up now, <laughs> but I, I barely touched it though. My Xbox one and my Xbox 360, I didn't touch them for the longest time because of world of Warcraft. Okay. Um, I didn't play. I didn't really. I did play the original Halo, and I did own it. And we used to we used to skip school and play Halo. You know, split screen. Um, you know, all that stuff at, l- at lunch breaks and stuff like that. Um, and we had a lot of fun doing that. But like a lot of the a lot of the 360 get um, original Xbox games that people will have like nostalgia for. I never played any of those. It was just mm. I literally only owned Halo. And I think Metagear Solid Three Subsistence or something. Snake Eater, I think it was. Yeah, but or, they, uh, they released about uh, the uh, the offshoot one. They no, they released like they. I can't remember. They had like Metal Gear Solid Three, but then they released an updated version that had the free the free roaming camera mm. because everyone hated the fixed camera. You're right. I can't remember. I, I had some version of Metal Gear Solid <laughs> with, uh, with my Xbox One anyway. Um, my my Xbox OG rather. But yeah, I barely touched the 360, and then um, World of Warcraft started going downhill a bit. In okay. the, the after you know, Wrath of the Lich King was its height, and then they released Cataclysm, and loads of people just quit and got bored of it. So it was around then I got back into the 360 gaming. Um, God, I would have been in my 20s by this point, and um, I discovered like all you know, Mass Effect and Dragon Age and. Yeah, all those games that I sort of missed out on. I even went back and played some older games like Knights of the Old Republic and Classic, you know, 
I sort of um, I sort of fell in love with console gaming again cool. after after the World of Warcraft addiction, and um, but you know I was still sort of like I was still working minimum wage jobs at this point. I was a network technician for high school. Okay. Um, I lied my way into that job. I don't know a damn thing about networking. <laughs> I, I think just, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I just I was just like I was just like yeah I I know networking. You know, and I just I just sort of Googled, faked my way through that job for like five years. Um, but because my parents had bought me a PC, I like had this had the knowledge to acquire knowledge, you know, in sure. a very quick cadence. Like if I needed to know something about networking, you can just Google it, you know, on the job. And it was just I was just basically lying my way through this job. And um I was just kind of, but it was like a small company for a charity and there was like literally no way I could get like, you know, I couldn't climb a ladder in this small company. So sure. I was kind of like, I know this isn't forever, but like I also dropped out of high school, didn't go to university, no qualifications. What the hell do I do um, with my life? You know, like what, what is a long-term career for me? Or am I just going to be like, you know, jumping from minimum wage job to minimum wage job forever? Sure. So, um, I don't know. Around the time, I knew someone who was a big Apple fanboy. And okay. I think I talked about this before. But yeah, I think you did mention that last time we talked. Yeah. I was like, I knew this guy who was a big Apple fanboy. And um, man, I just never known anyone who was a fanboy of tech or <laughs> a fanboy of consoles or some, something like that. Yeah. And he used to like, this guy had like, he had like an Apple logo on his front door he had like a mac in every room he had steve jobs biography on on his coffee table and i just thought it was so it was so cringy yeah. um i was like what the hell this is so weird like who would be a fanboy of a tech company you know and um so to irritate him i got a windows phone um <laughs> i never really i never really cared about phones or anything before i had like some crappy sony ericsson just for the calls and that yeah. but i like I didn't bother with any of that tech stuff really. Um, and then I got a windows phone and I was just like, man, this is actually really cool. <laughs> and I sort of like, Oh, now I get, I get it now. I get why he's like this about tech because it, it's kind of fascinating. And then, um, I don't know. I just thought like when I was bored at work, cause like if you're an IT technician, oftentimes a lot of the time you're just waiting for the phone to ring. Right. Yeah. Someone yeah. to call you and say, oh, my, there's something wrong with my computer, and you tell them to turn it off and on again. You know, <laughs> It really is like that. It really is. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just thought I just made a blog at work because in my teens, I used to run websites, and I had like – I used to run a cartoon website and put animations on Newgrounds, and you know, I had like a graphic design knowledge just from you know, building websites and stuff. Yeah. So I like to, to sort of – retrain myself from modern web design i decided to make a blog and i thought well i play xbox and i i like windows phone i like the way they connect with each other i'll make a blog about the microsoft ecosystem okay and um i don't know i just just did it surprisingly well i guess i immediately got a following on twitter and the windows phone community on twitter was like super strong <laughs> back then you know the soup i mean even now like you if i if i tweet something windows phone related from windows central account it'll get thousands of likes people have people have so much nostalgia for that right right and um i just like i just started building this blog and then it just sort of like snowballed and then 
because not Microsoft was spending so much money on Nokia PR. Yeah. And there was nobody really in the tech press who were covering Windows Phone. They had to come to me. <laughs> and I was like, um, one, I was like, I don't know, this was like 10 years ago now or something. God, has it really been 10 years? But Nokia PR sent me an email and they were like, we want to fly you out to Barcelona to see the launch of the new Lumius 640, I think it was. Wow. And I was like, oh my God, why me? You know, um, I had like 300 followers at the time or something on Twitter. Like, I was like, you know, and my blog was really small. Sure. Um, but I was like, sure, you know, because I'm not going to turn down a free trip to Barcelona, you know. Of course. Um, and from that trip, uh, we we met with Nokia engineers and we interviewed them. It was just me and a bunch of like Instagrammers and hobby bloggers and stuff and and uh, and and stuff like that. And some some other influencers were there. Um, who are some of them are actually pretty big now. But like we were all sort of just like getting getting in on this free trip from Microsoft. <laughs> you know, all expenses paid. Sure, whatever. And um. We interviewed like someone from Nokia about like the future of Windows Phone and stuff, and then after the interview, they were like, there was like someone from Microsoft ushering everyone around, like, okay, now we're gonna do this, and now we're gonna go to the beach or whatever, and um, they wanted to take all the all the influencers and bloggers and whatever to the beach to do some kind of photo shoot thing, and I just sort of like I snuck away. <laughs> and and went back to my hotel room because a I hate the beach because I am. Um, very susceptible to sunlight. I am a nerd gamer and very stere- in the very stereotypical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, because I knew if I was the first person to get this interview up on Reddit, I could slap it on Windows Phone subreddit and um, you know get a bunch of traffic for my blog. So I was like, yeah, yeah sure. I'm do that. So I went to my hotel room and wrote that up and published it before I did anything else. While they were all you know messing around or whatever. And then I put that on Reddit, and it went straight to the top of the Windows Phone subreddit. And because of that, Daniel Rubino from Windows Central noticed me, and okay. he just off, off right there and then offered me a job. Wow. And um, yeah. I was like, wow, okay, I've got a job now. <laughs> and um, that was it. That was it. And since then, I've been with Windows Central. So, Wow. Yeah, that was about eight years ago. It just goes to show you it's, uh, it can be all about the moment, right? Right place, right time. Right place, right time, and you know, but you can make it the right place and make it right. the right time by working at it. Give yourself yeah. as many opportunities as possible. I used to write like ten articles a day for my blog, just wow. picking up every piece of news I could, um, writing editorials every day. You know, I was re- I was really going hardcore at it, but you know, I also had, you know, the luck that I had a job where you could get away with that. I guess you know, okay. Um, yeah. But it was uh, it was awesome to experience all that, yeah. and then since that, like you know, I've been to been traveling all over the world for Windows Central. It's all the stuff that I never thought I'd be able to do, like E three. Like I always thought about going to E three and how amazing it'd be, and I've done all that stuff now, and I never thought I would. It's just so cool. Yeah, but it just goes to show that like anyone can anyone can make it if you you put the graft in, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And uh, funny enough, I think the, you know, I was just remembering, I don't even know if you remember this, but I think the first, the first and only time I've met you in person was at E3 waiting for the Xbox conference to start. 
Um, oh, wow. I don't know if you remember this because I, I said hi to you because I recognized you. And uh, I was sitting right right there near you. And um, you asked me if uh, I wanted a picture because I was taking a picture of the stage. And you oh, asked yeah. me if I wanted a picture. You yeah. remember that? And I have the picture right here. This is the picture you took of me. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, it's hilarious, man. So um, it's just, again, time and place, right? And I think, like, it literally in that row with me right there was, like, Colt, Tim, Sean Labrie, um, a whole bunch of people from, the you know, the, the guys that are always in the Xbox community talking. So yeah, The Xbox cool. community is just amazing. Like, uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Dog gets, like, so much hate across the internet, and he goes back and forth with, you know, some pretty toxic people, and, you know, he has fun with it. But like he's since I was nobody, that guy has supported me through everything, you know. Even yeah. times when I've been like, I can't do this, you know, and um, you know, I've been really stressed out and thought about throwing in the towel multiple times. I really yeah. have. And Tim, Tim's always been like supportive and be like, nah, you'll be all right. Yeah. You know, the dude the dude's like got a heart of gold if you you know, not a dick. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, in fact, it's funny you mentioned that because um yeah, two things on that is, you know, as I was talking to Colt a couple weeks ago, and Colt I got to know at E3 the same year, 2019. I, I met Colt for the first time in real life and got to know him and really nice guy. And we hung out with him. And um, but uh same same exact thing with Tim for you is the first big article I wrote for season gaming that got tra traction, real traction, was about mm -hmm. Xbox. And I had like 30 followers, 40 followers on Twitter. And Tim kind of reached out to me and said, wow, this, you know, you can write and this is a great article. And he shared it with everyone. And I mean, it just blew up. And, you know, for someone who never had anything kind of get traction like that before, it was huge. And he's always been a supporter since. So it's it is. It's yeah. Colt's awesome, too. I spoke to Colt in the airport, I think, that year. When oh really? Yeah, Colt's Colt's a great guy too. Um, yeah. it's just the Xbox community is just full of awesome people, um, it's, and it's it's really tightly knit. You know, you can speak to anyone and basically make friends. You're right. It's uh, and we talked about the same thing. There's this weird sense of kind of brotherhood um, within that group, which is hard to explain, but it's there for sure. Yeah. 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 I think Xbox does a, a good job of nurturing that with the Xbox Fan Fest and you know the fact that like you can you can basically speak to pretty much anyone in the Xbox team just by adding them on Twitter. <laughs> you can't great. you can't really, you can't do that with Nintendo. You can't do that with Sony to the same degree where you can literally just hit up anyone. And it's not just Xbox either. It's all of Microsoft. Like you can you can literally like you can send like the head of Surface uh, a DM and the chances are he will reply. Yeah. yeah. If you want to, it's weird. Don't don't spam him with DMs. No, <laughs> no, no, no. In fact, one of the things that I was, I think I was told <laughs> about the same is like, I love it and it's fantastic. And I wish that Sony and Microsoft did more of that, right? Or Sony and Nintendo, I'm sorry, did more of that. Yeah. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, there's those people who it's like every time they think of an idea in the head, they're adding Phil or Aaron or someone. And it's like, all right, you know. Well, that's the thing like you couldn't do what phil and aaron and you know josh stein and and jason ronald do you couldn't yeah. do what they do and engage with the community like they do unless you loved it that's if true you didn't if you didn't love it there's yeah. no way you could do this job sure. you couldn't do it so you know it's yeah. um 
because I can tell you now, like, you just need to look at Phil's replies and see what the amount of like fanboys and hate that come through to those people. Yeah, it's sad. And it's even worse if, like, if you're like a woman tweeting about Xbox or something like that. Um, some of the some of the crap that goes around from in this gaming community is really awful. So you really have to have a love for the positive fans out there to be able to put up with all of that. Very true. Um, and it just goes to show, like, it's with that passion in mind that Xbox is doing so well right now. Yeah. No, you nailed it. I mean, that's, yeah, you, you nailed it. Um, so we, we kind of, uh, you ended there on Windows Central. So how long have you been with Windows Central officially now? How long ago was that? I think it's like, it's literally just past eight years, I want to say. Okay. Okay. Is that eight years now or seven years? <laughs> so, I like mean, it, we're coming up on eight years since Xbox One launched, which seems crazy, you know? Yeah, it was the year that Xbox One launched. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I guess it is eight years. That yeah. is crazy. That wow. is absolutely crazy. Well, it's been it's been really cool to witness the growth, man. Um. You know, as someone, I, I say this to other content creators when we talk as well, but as someone who kind of runs an outlet on, you know, a much, much, much smaller outlet, um, but runs an outlet and know what it takes to, you know, you know what goes into it um, from all aspects. It's it's not easy. And it's been incredible yeah. to see the growth uh, that you've uh, had, not only personally, but for Windows Central and now uh, including uh, Windows Central on YouTube, right? You guys have uh, had fantastic growth over there. Yeah, Miles um uh, Miles Dompier. I've yeah. probably pronounced that wrong. Sorry, Miles. Um <laughs> Miles is uh has been amazing growing our channel. Um I'm like I like making videos, but it's not what I'm passionate about. Right. Um so like when I make videos, it's kind of forced or kind of rushed. Like you can just you can just see the delta between like the videos that I put on Windows Central and the videos Miles puts on Windows Central <laughs> in terms of like the editing quality. Miles is just so much better than me he so, does really he's work. been yeah, yeah he's been crushing the growth on that channel it's really awesome yeah I, I actually reached out to him last week um and chatted with him in dms a little bit so um it's just a good group of guys man you guys are killing it so um it's, yeah it's but, awesome it doesn't it doesn't feel like a job windows central like we're all we're all mates you know it's we're all like we all get on really well i think a lot of a lot of blog sites especially some of the the older bigger blogs that like have like maybe high turnover and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, um, there's maybe less of a camaraderie. I get that sense sometimes, yeah. um, you know. But Windows Central is, you know, we're all mates. You know, we were before um, before Future purchased Windows Central. Um, even though like we scattered all over the world, the writers, um, the previous company that owned Windows Central, Mobile Nations they would like pay to fly everyone to like go on vacation together. You know, we all really? went, to, yeah, we all went to Florida a couple of years okay. ago before the purchase. We went to Florida, hung out, drinking, stuff like that. Yeah. Partying, getting in trouble with the hotel staff and making too much <laughs> noise. That's the only like way to that. do it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we also went to Georgia, Atlanta one year. Oh, Atlanta. We, okay. we went on a boat. And we had like the X- Xbox One briefcase with a TV in it. On yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> um, you know, that's so awesome. It's been some awesome times. I, I was going to ask you about that. You kind of touched on it a little bit, but you know, I, some of the conversations I've had with uh, some of the others has been the 
because uh, I've spoke to like Asa at Game on Daily as they're growing over there, right? And I call, I speak to Cog all the time over at Lords, and you know, I've just and uh, Joe over at uh, Trophy Room, and just you know, people who are trying to grow in different angles, right? And I, I know for me, um, and I think you know this because we've talked about it, but you know, the whole kind of um, background of season gaming is a, a, a pure hatred for clickbait and just you know nonsense journalism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so. For me, it's been really uh, a challenge to look at um, the prioritization for growth, right? And I think you guys have done that really well. But you touched on how, like, you're passionate much more, it feels like, about writing and articles and things of that nature, where someone like Miles is much more uh, attuned to editing and YouTube. But, you know, what are your thoughts on um, what we what we're seeing with a lot of the uh, sites across the industry and just that 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 kind of almost incessant need for these sites to push clickbait, to push narratives, to kind of push the the bickering among the worst of us in the community on a on a daily monthly basis, you know, like because um, one of the things I appreciate about what you guys do, even being a much bigger site, is that you know you're much more factual in your reporting. Um, which I really appreciate, of course, and I think a lot of people do. Um, but, you know, what are your thoughts on how that looks industry-wide? I appreciate that immensely, but it's kind of like there is – the thing about Windows Central is there's always been pushback because from the people who run the site at the top level, um, not so much in future, actually, but in our previous company, Mobile Nations, there was a period where – um, the higher ups were like desperate for growth, and they were pushing. They were pushing all of Android Central, iMore.com, and Windows Central, Android, Windows, uh, Apple stuff. Um, they were pushing us to do that kind of thing, yeah. and um, you know, we all we all push back on it because it's like Good. this is not it's not a sustainable way to grow right. reputation, you know. But you know, some sites like they don't have that privilege. Uh, the ability to do that because they'll get fired. You know, yeah. it's kind of like we've been essential. We're such a small team. It's like, what you're going to do? Fire us? And then who's going <laughs> to do? Who's going to do your work for you? You know. All right. Um, but even then, there are things. There's sometimes you have to write things to pay the bills. Like, um, you know, if I look on Windows Central now, there's like a huge deals block underneath. That stuff pays the bills a lot more than you know writing about Xbox news does. It's just the way the industry's gone. You know. Yeah. Um, We've got a deal for, you know, hopefully some of these deals are useful, but like sometimes they're often just not, but okay. they still pay, we still, they still pay the bills, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. They save 50% on the JLab Audio Epic Air True Wireless earbuds with ANC. Like, you know, that, that's like a lot of people would consider that to be blog spam, but it, you know, keeps the lights on, which is important. But at the same time, when it comes to clickbait and websites that maybe don't, See, tech sites don't have often don't clickbait as much as maybe some of the other sites because they do have the ability to post deals, um, which sort of takes the need out of clickbaiting. Mm. If you're completely if you're a completely ad based business, you're trying to get as many clicks as possible. Where if you're like a deal based blog then one click is enough, you know, as long as a few people buy, then it's fine, you know, but if you're an ad based business, then you need as many clicks as possible because ads don't pay much by themselves. And it honestly, it's a, it's a wider societal issue. It's not, it's not even a new issue. No. If you look at like, um, 
if you look at like uh, the British tabloid press in the nineties, for example, well, even even now, yeah. you know, if you look at what the British tabloid press did to like Princess Diana in the nineties, yeah. all the bullshit and all the you know real life clickbait, but it's like you you plaster like a massive stupid headline because you want people to buy your newspaper, you know, yeah. and that and like a newspaper is literally a completely ad based business model like you can't buy you can't buy a deal through a newspaper you have to like they want you to look at the ads and to be able to sell ads they need volume and to be able to get the volume they sort of prey on people's fears insecurities and you know baser instincts unfortunately and it's that tabloid model which is sort of proliferated across the internet and um and it's sort of exacerbated by the way YouTube and Google set up its algorithm because yes. Google controls the whole internet. Yes. It controls the whole internet. It's up to Google whether your website lives and dies. It's up to Google whether your YouTube channel lives and dies. That's the way it's always been and maybe the way it always will be unless some kind of very clever government in the future figures out a way to regulate Google without breaking the whole internet. <laughs> but, you know, um, we're seeing the Australian government trying to do this now. Australia is trying to persuade Google and Facebook to pay blogs for the news they host on their pages and stuff. Um, and, you know, France has tried to do this in the past too. And when France tried to do it, what it, what happened was those those websites saw a massive drop in, tra- in traffic and saw a massive drop in profitability because Google's like, oh, okay, well, we just won't pay you. We just won't host your news then <laughs> rather than pay you. And then if they don't host the news, then boom, they get no traffic and boom, they get no money. Right. So it's a very, it's a very strange problem that sort of hinges on the complete lack of understanding our politicians have about the way the internet works and the way the internet impacts the, the fabric of society, frankly. Very you know, true. there's a lot. There's a load of great documentaries about this, like um, Adam Curtis. Uh, you can look up uh, Google Adam Curtis. Look him up on Wikipedia. Some okay. of his recent documentaries about like the way the media spins things to create narratives to make them more sellable. You know, a news story by itself is not interesting um for most people you have to embellish you have to have a photograph with it you have to have a dramatic photograph with it you know um some of the some of the biggest pulitzer prize winning photographs are are taken out of context but but they tell a story Mm -hmm. but they are they're often taken out of context or they're missing context but they connect with us on some sort of primal sort of way this is getting philosophical now (laughs) they connect with us on some sort of primal primal way that is marketable and monetizable ultimately yeah um and that's ultimately everything is just sort of driven by money so when you see these websites bringing it back to gaming when you see websites that are sort of there's always been this conspiracy theory in the xbox community that the media um doesn't give xbox a fair shake and I like. I don't think there's anyone sit. And I don't think there's like a a conspiracy against Xbox. I think it's just a natural sort of the way the 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 media falls when the bigger audience is PlayStation oriented. So why wouldn't the news be PlayStation oriented? Right. The 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 news often reflects the audience. You know, if the right. audience was like, we don't like this, then the coverage would flip. You know, so. 
it's so it's like it's a constant battle and a constant sort of having to it's a feedback loop like the audience dictates to the media what kind of coverage they want and the media does it reflects it back to them and it becomes like this feedback loop so um breaking that cycle is sort of it's increasingly difficult yes, it because, is. Of the, yeah. because of the age of like fake news and if you start like trying to if you start trying to deliver facts to people, they'll tell you your facts are fake and they'll just choose to, yeah, they'll just, they'll just choose to, they'll opt for news that makes them feel good. You know, yes. well, we, yeah, the, you know, people want bias reaffirmation, right? They want yeah, they they someone else say what they believe because it makes yeah. them feel better about their beliefs. I mean, yeah. And, um, you know, because YouTubers are individuals and they have, there's no oversight whatsoever. Um, nobody's telling a YouTuber, like, man, maybe you shouldn't make content like this. The only thing that tells a YouTuber what kind of content to make is the algorithm. Yep. And if the algorithm's telling them to make clickbait, then they make clickbait, you know. Yep. Um, for for a YouTuber or even a, you know, a blogger or whatever to make content that isn't clickbait-oriented is very difficult because you have to basically find your own audience. The algorithm won't do that for you. The algorithm won't won't present you with non-clickbait content a lot of the time google is trying to get better at this um they are they are starting to punish websites that are sort of blatant clickbait factories or blatant seo factories you know websites that just sort of you know they look up like every blog does this you know search engine mod search engine optimization is very important for profitability of a blog, yeah. but there are some websites that just really take the piss with it, you know, and um, <laughs> they really do. And, you know, Google's starting to look at those websites and start to punish them a little bit for it. And they're trying to like look at content that is a little bit more human, a little bit more like less robotic and a little bit more like quality, you know, um, and hopefully Google will sort of get to a point where they can shape the web in a way that's a little bit more positive. But as for right now, I think it's ultimately a hustle. You know, I can't blame someone necessarily for running with clickbait because Google makes it profitable to do that sometimes, yeah. you know? It's very um, true. So ultimately it's on, it's on Google and it's also like a societal problem that if people didn't click on clickbait, then there would be no clickbait. So it's a, it's a feedback loop, you know? It is. It, it drives me, you know, the worst thing I see every day on Twitter, I don't know about you, but it's like I, I mute a lot of people, the toxic ones, and I just try and stay away from it. And then, you know, I see like someone I do follow retweet someone saying, look at this garbage, you know what I mean? And it's like, well, I purposely didn't want to see that garbage. That's why I muted it. But now you're retweeting it. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, you're, you're part of the problem. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's it's social media is still really immature and it's sort of like yes. it's yeah, uh, it's still it's still something that people are figuring out and you know Facebook is not accepting every any responsibility for the damage it's done to like yeah the the polarization of society I, I've never known a time in my life where you know and I suppose I'm not I'm not really that old but you know I I often wonder like is there ever been a time in history where people are so polarized? You know, it feels like everything now you have to have an opinion on it and it has to be an extreme opinion one way or the other, or else you make everyone mad, you know? Yeah. Um, 
and things can't things can't be like shades of gray or nuanced anymore because the algorithm doesn't can't process nuance it needs things to be in a binary like the internet is literally binary it's literally made of digital code and it just sort of works on this binary you know principle that isn't congruous with human nature <laughs> yeah. getting philosophical man no you're you're exactly right though that's why i'm not interrupting you because you're nailing it and it, <laughs> it's, it's funny you actually just said it the way you did because i don't know if it was in one of these conversations i had i literally have a notebook i have it right here i have a notebook that i use for work um and you can't see it but they're scripting all across here in different languages and what it literally translates to is life is not always black and white um yeah. And it, it's, 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 excuse me, it's exactly that. It's like it, everything wants you to either pick a team or pick a side and everyone's here or here. When in reality, as you well just said, almost everything in life lives in the gray. Um, yeah. You know, there's nuance, there's context, there's all these other things that go into any of this discussion, whether we're talking about the gaming industry or outside of it, as you are. Yeah. It's uh, it's it, it's potentially just human nature to have the sort of this binary thought processes towards you know things you know it could it could be it could be as a it could be emergent as a re as a result of evolutionary imperatives to survive you know it could be like a defense mechanism or whatever but the problem <laughs> is like the pe people who people people who know they can exploit that and monetize it and package it and post yeah. it, you know, and make money on it. And yeah. the people, the people in power are going into overdrive, exploiting that sort of fear of the other right now to keep us all distracted from the fact that they're completely destroying the world. Yeah. You know, it's, like, it's getting dark now. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, Wait, it's, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to have to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> you, you're right. Not that I'm disagreeing with you. Yet. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's just funny because, you can you can bring it you can apply any sort of these concepts to gaming and the tribalism and the yeah. toxicity people take people take like sports fandom too far too like sports sports is like a lot more mature than gaming fandom i think in that like like people people will banter over their favorite football teams and stuff like that and it's all fine usually people get people get drunk and they get rowdy but usually there's not like anything super violent that comes out of it but sometimes sometimes a lot of the time you know you'll see like like the world cup last year for not last year whenever the world cup was last i can't i have no concept of time anymore but <laughs> i remember when the last world cup happened there was like some some british fans in in france and they all got into a they all got drunk and all the men got into a big fight over football. of course and then it's and then it becomes like you know the sort of there's sort of right ancient rivalry between england and france yes. and stuff like that and then like you know football hooliganism hooliganism in the uk it's like those same fans who were like yeah we'll go and fight the french then they go home and then they fight each other over like their their local football teams. Like uh, there's like football hooliganism and hooliganism in the UK is like legendary for its violence. And <laughs> you know, there's all those movies like Football Factory and stuff like that, which are awesome movies. But it's very scary because like all the, all this stuff is like based on real events. Like you know, and people will people will ultimately they want to fight and want to be tribal. Maybe it's just in innate, but. 
it's just so silly when it's over games, which are supposed yeah. to be fun, and they are ultimately toys. You know, it's, it yeah, just feels so arbitrary and silly. But it's yeah, in the grand in the grand scope of it, right? I mean, we're talking about entertainment. Yeah, you know, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I agree. There with you do get on Twitter and like hate on people people they've never even met over right. all this stuff and they get so in their feelings about it and so upset and annoyed about it and it's just like man you know it's like i don't even i barely have time to play all the games that you're mad about you know like who has who has the time to be mad about games just go and play them you know yeah yeah it's uh, yeah it's bizarre uh I, i've given up trying to trying to really figure it out you know i just if i see anything like that i i you know i joke all the time i have like over a thousand accounts muted i just mute them move on i don't have time yeah i have like six thousand people blocked because i just <laughs> i'm sure I, you probably have to because you've probably heard it you know these same type of people yeah i have you know it's yeah. and it's i i just like i just i block instead of mute because i feel like i want to punish you for being this way <laughs> you know i like i want to like i want to show you that i don't want to have to deal with you because yeah. i i use twitter for fun i don't use it professionally and sometimes when i block people they'll be like really mad about it and they'll be like oh you you're stifling free speech and discourse and it's like gosh dude i use twitter for fun and you're making it not fun so yeah. you are being blocked <laughs> you know i like i i block people for all sorts of arbitrary reasons but it ultimately falls on are you making this a negative experience for me <laughs> and um i don't know there's just some people you just can't get through to no like they, they want to be mad it. yeah it's not worth it they just want to be mad like if someone if someone is so dead set on being mad about about gaming or something they there's just nothing you can do to change an adult's mind a lot of the time if yeah. they're not open to it and you can tell when someone's not open to it because they they've already become mad in the first place over plastic. Yeah, it's just yeah, they're silly. already mad, and their 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 mind is already made up of whatever argument they want to get into at that moment in time. Yeah, like I like when I was first on Twitter, I would banter about like Xbox versus PlayStation all the time, but then like I realized how seriously people take it, and now I just don't yeah. mention PlayStation at all. Yeah. It's like man, like people really take this stuff seriously. Yeah, Wait like too. I um. I don't have a PlayStation. I have no intention of buying one just because like all the games I want to play are on Xbox, you know, yeah. and the games that I do want to play on PlayStation aren't worth to me to buy a console for. I bought yeah. a PlayStation four and ultimately regretted it. Cause I only played last of us on it and okay. God of war on it. And I was just like, did I buy a whole console just for two games, you know, but then there's, but that's the thing. It's like, if I was a PlayStation fan, or I'd already bought like a thousand games on PlayStation, I'd feel the same way about Xbox. There's ultimately not that much of a difference between the two. It's just about whichever side you ended up on when the digital shift happened. Yeah, which yeah has kind of cemented people's place in that ecosystem. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, I feel the same way. And, and again, like it, it, at the end of the day, we're talking about games. You buy whatever games you want to play. It doesn't really matter where they reside. Yeah, um, it should be fun. Yeah, it's about fun. So, but I, I was I was also going to ask you about you know now that everything we've talked about with the growth of Windows Central and your own personal career, the channel, and everything that's happened, um, you know, obviously you're you're very prominent in the Xbox community now. What what's it like been 
been working with Xbox directly, like their press support, uh, the people you interact with. I mean, they seem like a genuinely good group of people to kind of cover, you know, their content and materials and hardware and all those things. Yeah, Xbox has been like tremendously supportive over the years, you know, like, you know, not just like game codes and stuff like that, but, you know, they're, they just engage a lot more. I think the Xbox press operation is just bigger than a lot of other companies like okay. trying to trying to contact ea for for me is sometimes like trying to get blood out of a stone but i think that's just because <laughs> there's so many people who want to get their attention you know like yeah. um they ea makes some of the biggest games in the world and maybe they're not the biggest pest team or maybe they just you know don't like the fact that i hate them so much <laughs> for, for what they did to bioware i don't know but yeah. um but the the good thing about xbox is like no matter what I publish, like even if I publish a, a string of negative articles, which is something I, I often do about Xbox, I give Xbox a hard time a lot of the time. No, um, and, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about you is that Xbox has a lot going for them, right? They, I mean, we'll touch on all the positives here in a second, but there's still plenty of things they can work on and improve. And you're one of the few people that I see calling that out just matter-of-factly, which I, I yeah. love. It's, uh, it's like, um, I like... I. I take my role and my position in this community seriously. You know, I see yep. it as a blessing. I don't say, I don't try not to take it for granted because ultimately I have, I can amplify the voices of those who aren't heard. And one thing that I was very passionate about champion championing recently was the fact that Xbox's localization in other countries yeah. is pretty damn poor. It's bad. And yeah. If they if they want to be a global company and they get on stage and speak to their shareholders these delusions of grandeur about hitting three billion gamers, mm-hmm. two billion gamers, whatever it is, um, why is your language support so bad in other regions? Why are you pushing XCloud in South Korea when the South Koreans can't even tell which games are localized in Korean? You know, it's it's bullshit. Um, no other game journalists covered this because ultimately they're not Xbox fans and they're not interested in in you know covering the aspect of the ecosystem because you really have to be in the weeds and in the community to understand what the community is mad about yeah. it's like the, the whole achievement stuff right now too like every, a lot of people in the xbox achievement community are annoyed that achievements have been basically abandoned since stale. they added rare achievements yeah, yeah stale. they haven't done anything with it for the longest time and i realize that some of these some of these changes are not trivial to make but right. at the same time um if you're a platform holder you kind of have to make them and microsoft's a trillion dollar company and it's hard to it's hard to accept any kind of excuse from a company that's as big as and as rich as is as blessed as microsoft they have like no no room for excuses here um you know so even though like i do often write pretty scathing articles like i wrote like about four articles about the microsoft store on windows 10 being complete Mm -hmm. trash and it's still trash yeah you know um and uh, even though I do all that, they, you know, they take it on the chin and they take it as feedback. Whereas I know for a fact that other companies like Apple and Sony, they would cut you off if you wrote, if you wrote, especially Apple, if you wrote like negative reviews about Apple's products, they cut you off, which is why you can never trust any review of an Apple product because they will cut you off. 
like if you if you want like objective Apple reviews, you have to go to like Linus Tech Tips and stuff like that. But people who actually buy the product, because Apple, like anyone, Apple, whoever Apple send reviewing is to, you ain't getting a fully objective review because all those journalists and bloggers know Apple will cut you off permanently if you transgress. If you if you slip too far from the message they want you to deliver, they will cut you off. But Microsoft just ain't like that. Yeah. I suppose um. Part of it is potentially because Microsoft comes from a, an, a position of weakness in terms of its corporate image. Like a lot of people still see Microsoft as this big evil company, yeah, and yeah. like if uh, you know if I if I went shouting on Twitter, Microsoft cut me off, whatever. People people would probably be mad, and like that that'd break the illusion that Microsoft's a, a rainbows and sunshine company now. But I genuinely don't get that impression from them. I just feel like. There's a lot of people at Microsoft right now who are trying to run the company in a sort of human way yes. and not the sort of robotic corporate way that it was under Steve Ballmer yeah. when the share price was at the lowest point that it ever was, you know, in Microsoft's history. God, I wish I bought Microsoft shares. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but, um, no, I think you're spot on. I mean, Nadella is, um, he's one of my favorite leaders across basically any industry. Um I always love hearing him speak. And I think, you know, in my opinion, he's done some really transformative things for Microsoft to date. Yeah. I think um, the, the best thing Nadala did was sort of pivoting on this idea of wanting to be Apple. I think Steve Ballmer was really hung up on the fact that Apple sort of beat them to the mobile industry. Yeah. And Ballmer was like, spent a lot of years trying to chase that. You know, the Surface RT was basically their answer to the iPad. Windows Phone, you know, used to be the biggest mobile platform in terms of what you could consider a smart Palm device or whatever. And then app, the iPhone just crushed them into dust. Yeah. And I don't think Steve Ballmer ever got over that. They really needed the fresh perspective. And I think, like, when, uh, you know, they started, they, when Microsoft was on stage put in to announce Microsoft was on stage at Apple's conference to announce that office was going to iPad. That was really the big turning point in Microsoft's philosophy of um, let's bring our services to people where they are yep. rather than try and pull them to us. And that's what game pass is about. Really? Exactly. Game pass is Microsoft is Xbox's office. Game Pass is like going to be the product that Microsoft wants to put everywhere. And similarly to, where, to the way you can get Office anywhere. Uh, you can get Office on any phone, any tablet device. You can get on the web, on any platform. And the way that Microsoft has turned Office from this sort of insular, pro, insular offline product, box pro product that you buy in a shop, to this sort of massive service platform that's, you know, on par with Netflix for like its size. Um, that's what Microsoft wants to do with Game Pass for gaming, is they want to turn it into their their office. It's their it's their service pillar for entertainment, you know. Yeah. Um so it's really that that Nadella way of thinking, and it's sort of credit to Phil Spencer for sort of threading the needle and sort of making Xbox fit into Nadella's needle right. effectively, because yeah. Like Phil, Phil went on the record and said something like Nadella didn't understand why Microsoft was in gaming. Yeah. So Phil, exactly. Phil had to, yeah. So Nadella was like, we don't don't understand why we're in gaming. You know, it's a really volatile industry. You know, the cash flow is erratic. Blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. um, the hardware doesn't make any money. Like, why are we in gaming? So 
what Phil's job essentially was, we have to make Xbox fit Nadella's worldview, which is, um, you know, empower others to do more, i.e. forget about the endpoint, bring the service to their endpoint, you know. So um, while Microsoft is, and Phil very cleverly, and, well, the whole Xbox team, really, um, Phil really hates it when you, like, credit him for doing everything. He does, yes. <laughs> he really hates that. But, like, and, it, and it's true, you know, Xbox is a huge team. Yeah. But um, if we're just sort of referring to the whole era where Phil Spencer was leading and um, and we, we got to a point where Xbox is sort of sitting at the top of the senior leadership table alongside Windows rather than under it. Yep. Um, you know, what Phil Spencer did was, and his team... <laughs> they uh they create they managed to not only make xbox fit nadella's worldview with bringing xbox to anyone no matter where they are using the cloud but they also anchored the local hardware into the cloud because you can't get a cloud without having console hardware because the cloud is made of console hardware correct so for all those people who are worried that microsoft one day will stop selling consoles why would they because all the all the xCloud server blades are is an Xbox console in a different shape. You know, it literally is an Xbox console. The development environment is still Xbox console. If you want to make a game for the cloud, you have to first make it for console, and then it automatically goes to the cloud. So not only have they ensured the future of Xbox local hardware, they've ensured they're future-proofed against a, a potential shift to the cloud also made Satya and his shareholders happy by having this sort of subscription component that can go on and onto any device. And they did all that in the space of a relatively short space of time. They did. And now they've got like all this sort of, they've got all their position, their, their chips in the right place now, and they just sort of have to execute. And we'll see that over the next few years. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, you're crushing it, man. I mean, that you all, Listening to you speak right now is one of the reasons why I respect you so much in the community, um, because you, you see the 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 you not only see the nuances of what they've done, but the big picture. Right. Um, I, I'm fortunate. I've said many times that in my actual career, I'm in the technology side and server and infrastructure kind of space. So a lot of the things they've been talking about here with xCloud and everything you just commented on, you know, you can kind of see coming over the past couple of years. Um, and one of the other things you touched on there, which is very important from local hardware being the same as the hardware in the blades and what that does for game development. Um, what it also does, right, is it gives Microsoft that bargaining chip when you're talking about working with someone like AMD for the hardware itself. Because yes. now you're not relying on just home console sales, right? You're supporting an entire infrastructure that supports the entire global piece of entering that Xbox ecosystem, like you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Microsoft is like the way that all these sort of different pillars of com- complement each other is, is, is quite genius, really. It really is. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing, there, there are still gaps in the, in the lineup. I still think xCloud's like, horribly lacking ergonomic ergonomics i think really think we need some sort of handheld device because you know uis don't scale very well to a phone screen and you know there there are just so many so many sort of challenges that they still need to overcome to make xcloud more accessible but they'll they will they'll meet those challenges i'm pretty sure they will um but 
one thing that frustrates me immensely is that like so many so-called veteran game journalists, they just don't get it. No, they just they don't. don't get it. No, they don't get what Microsoft's plan is, and they don't like. I've literally spoke to like veteran journalists who are like, um, who think that like Microsoft wouldn't want to put X uh, Game Pass on other platforms, for example. Yeah, and I'm just like, man, you, you just have to. You only have to look at Office as an example. The fact that Office is on an iPad and it's not exclusive to Surface. There are like, there are li Microsoft literally has an install base of billions yeah. with Windows. Quite they literally. don't really need to put um, Office on an iPad to make tons and tons of money. But if they didn't, their competitors would. So it's kind of like, why wouldn't you put xCloud on a Nintendo Switch, for example? Yeah. You know, um, if Nintendo would allow it. I mean, chances are maybe Nintendo wouldn't want it. But I think like the, there comes a point where, you know, you mentioned leverage. I'm yeah. going to write an editorial this week about how I think the time is now for some sort of Game Pass light, which is just xCloud and the Xbox Game Studios and Bethesda games. Because Microsoft doesn't have the right to sell or to sell other people's games. Right. And also Nintendo Nintendo wouldn't necessarily want to lose sales on games that are in, X, um, in Game Pass that are also being sold on their system. Like, for example, uh, Street of Rage 4. You can buy yeah. that on Nintendo Switch, but if xCloud was on Switch, you wouldn't need to buy it on Switch. But like, if xCloud was the only way you could play Halo on your Switch, then maybe they'd allow it, mm. you know? So I think like some kind of cheaper, light xCloud only version of Xbox Game Pass seems to be the next step for me. Mm. Um, to get that, you know, just to get the foot in the door onto those other platforms and stuff, because they've got so much content with the Bethesda deal that they yes. they have enough content for uh, Xbox only skew of game pass now and yeah. also it gets you that foot in the door it's like with netflix like when i first joined netflix i was just like yeah i only need one stream i don't need 4k and now i pay for like the two streams and the 4k and <laughs> so all my all my family want to you know steal my netflix and stuff like that <laughs> and same for spotify like i started on spotify's cheapest plan and now i'm on like the lossless plan with with family stuff so other people in my family can use it you know it's um i think like Microsoft's probably always looking at ways they can lower the barrier. Yes. Um, Very and I think that, that's probably the next step. But. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking forward to reading that um, because it's it's a very good point. And I think you're probably, again, spot on. Um, I think, uh, you know, one of the things we didn't touch on, which I really appreciate from Microsoft's kind of uh, or Xbox's ecosystem right now is all of these pieces have come together over the past few years. And the, the kind of synchronicity, um, synchronicity between how you enter Xbox and what that looks like is uh, is really cool to me. And what I mean by that, for instance, uh, I've been playing a lot of Halo. I'm <laughs> playing. Uh, I'm in a Halo tournament. I'm just a big Halo fan. I'm going through Master Chief Collection again. And so, you know, I was playing uh, on my Xbox the other day, and then you know, I load up the stream here on my PC, and it's just there, right? You know what I mean? It just syncs to the cloud. Everything I was doing, all my unlocks, game saves, and we've seen, you know. I won't even touch on Nintendo because they're so far behind in so many areas from a technical perspective 
we don't have time on the show to touch on it. But, you know, even from their uh, competitor in a PlayStation sense, I was talking to someone the other day about something as simple as like um, screenshots, right? And videos on a PlayStation, you can upload it to Twitter or you can USB it, but you cannot just go to like PlayStation.com or anywhere online to just pull off your screenshots. Um, hmm. And that, that drives me crazy. You know what I mean? I'm like, this. it's just one of those things where it's 2021. You're obviously saving them somewhere to a server because you can put it on your activity feed on PlayStation. But there's no just easy go to your profile. It's not attached to your profile. Um, and there's a lot of mm. there's a lot of connectivity there in the Xbox ecosystem that I just love. Like everything's attached to your live profile, um, your digital library, your Game Pass subscription, your xCloud. All those things are based around what you know, services are activated, if you will, on your profile. And I just, I love that. That's where it should be in this day and age. I think Microsoft, like, obviously, they're smart to leverage their cloud prowess. Of course. Um, of course. Microsoft's cloud, if projections hold up, Microsoft's cloud could overtake Amazon's in the yes. next few years in terms of size and right. users. And also, like, with the whole Bethesda deal, they have a whole bunch of new tech they can incorporate into GameStack and Azure to deliver services to developers. Like, the yep. id tech engine, I fully expect that will be appropriated and then, you know, uh, sold, packaged and sold to third parties to use. I fully expect that Project Orion algorithm and the, the research that id has done on streaming to be incorporated mm -hmm. into xCloud in the future. Like, they had, id, id just has some legendary programmers under there. Yes, their they wing. do. And um, one of the project managers at GameStack, one of the lead project managers, I believe, actually came over from id to work for Microsoft. So there's a lot of history between, and, and like you say, synchronicity between like what Microsoft's doing and all this stuff. Like yeah. Gabe Newell back in the day, he specifically used Doom as an example to, you know, Bill Gates and stuff to say, Windows really sucks at running games. Can't we improve this? Mm -hmm. And they used, they used Doom as a baseline to improve the way Windows handled you know, rendering and graphics and stuff like that. So th there's like a common, there's a common history and a common lineage between like, like id and windows and and all that technology and stuff it, it really is kind of like a homecoming in a way and also morrowind had the whole lineage with that the original xbox and stuff yeah. like that um it's really cool to see and uh it is you know it's like i say it's just execution now yes, it's, gonna, it's gonna be a really exciting few years for xbox and i'm really looking forward to it i could not agree more um yeah the possibilities here when you just think about everything you just said the, the talent combined with uh, the architecture and the services and all the tech that when you look at them all combined, as you said, it's just, I mean, the possibilities are endless. Um, I can't wait to see what they do next. So let me ask you this though. Um, you know, we, we've kind of covered where Xbox is going, Game Pass and, and how everything works at a high level, um, which is all brilliant as we, we, you know, we've both agreed. You personally, um, you know, do you have any dog in the fight or any preference as to, you know, how you kind of consume your products? Do you, are you still very much, uh, I get my console, I buy my game, I need to play it on my home TV, or are you uh, more aligned with kind of, I'll access it, whatever makes the most sense at the moment. I don't have this huge preference. Well, like right now, um, like I, I said earlier, like I don't think like xCloud is 
a totally pleasant experience. Like beyond right. the latency, you also have to deal with Bluetooth. You also have to deal with UI is not scaling very well on a smaller screen. Um, the text is often too small. For games that are built or designed or use the xCloud APIs properly, like Help, for example, um, they handle pretty well on xCloud, but there's still that sort of uncanny valley where there's some like too much latency introduced into certain games. Um, yeah. So I tend to, but the the flip side, I never really it's, it's pandemic. I don't go anywhere, right. so um, I don't go out. So I'm never really far away from my Xbox. So yeah, that's fair. If I was um, if things were different, if I was like going to meetings at work, like I think Phil Phil said in interviews that he uses like X Cloud under the desk while he's like attending meetings <laughs> and stuff. Um, or maybe he just told me that in confidence. Oh well, I've outed him now either way. There you go. It's um, out now. Yeah, but if I if but like if I was doing that, if I was going to meetings, I probably would use XCloud a little bit more. But I also thought the same way about Spotify and stuff back in the day. Like I have a pretty big, I had a massive DVD collection, like literally like five thousand DVDs or something. Wow. Um, I used to buy DVDs all the time. Like every time I saw a show and I liked it, I'd be like, "Yep, yeah, I need to buy that DVD." And um, I just uh, a few years ago, I just literally donated all of them to charity. Wow. Because um, I was just like, why do I have these DVDs now? They're just gathering dust. And I, I just use Netflix and YouTube and Disney Plus and BBC iPlayer for en- for any sort of video entertainment. Like, I think like I have like a bunch of Blu-rays for stuff that I just can't get in the UK without pirating it, pirating okay. it yeah. like Twin Peaks and stuff. But um, for the most part, like most of the stuff I want to watch is easily accessible from a legal service nowadays. Yeah. Um, so... And same goes for Spotify. Like I got piles of CDs lying around, gathering dust. Don't have a CD player anywhere. Um, my laptop doesn't have a CD drive. I suppose my, I could use my Xbox as a CD player, yeah. but who, who's gonna do that? Um, I got a bunch of vinyls. I got a really good vinyl player, but it's kind of like almost to the point where I'm just like so lazy that rather than put the vinyl <laughs> on the on the turntable, I just fire it up on Spotify because. Yeah. My Alexa speaker's right next to my vinyl player and plugged into it. So um <laughs> so that there might come a day when you know XCloud is just so seamless that having local hardware feels almost pointless, you know. Yeah. And we've we've got there with with music and we've gotten there with uh with videos like when I stream something from Netflix, it just snaps to 4K instantly. Because yeah. I have a fiber connection and it's you know pretty good. Right. Upstream's pretty lame, but the downstream is more than good enough for 4K video. But, you know, if one day, the I mean, they just started delivering one gigabyte internet where I live. Yeah. Dom- domestic. And the, the, the lowest connection speed you can buy now is 200 megabytes in my street. Okay. Um, when, when I was a kid, it was like one megabyte. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. I've, I've been with the same company for internet for like 20 years or more. Um, and every, every time, like, they increase their their top line speed, they also increase their baseline speed for free. So it's like, we've always been on the baseline speed, which used to be one megabyte, and then it was 10 megabyte, and then it was 100 megabyte, and then it was now it's 300 megabytes or whatever. Um, so it just always increases, increases, and technology marches on. So I think like one day, if, if things become so seamless and so convenient that you can just like yell at your TV and fire up a game and you, you don't even need to like do anything or not even have local hardware, I mean chances are that i probably would you know but i would like to believe that microsoft will continue to support retail even though like you know there's an argument to be made that retail 
sort of like is taking away from the industry rather than providing. But, you know, I'm sure people who work in retail don't feel that way. So um, I think there's, I mean, I don't, I don't know what so, depends on the side of the argument people fall on that. But like if um, retail as, as it stands today, retail is still extremely important for gaming. Yes. So um, hopefully Microsoft will continue to support retail with, you know, local hardware. And for people who want local hardware, I think like, I think there's a value in just having local hardware. Like if you internet's dead or something. Um, and also there's, you know, people still like collecting discs. Like I don't begrudge anyone who likes collecting discs either. Like I still have all my PS1 games, all my PS2 games. Like the other day I was rummaging around in my brother's, my brother's room and I found like Pokemon stadium for the N64. And uh, I found a Sonic, Sonic three cartridge for the Genesis, you know, all the you know the stickers worn away <laughs> in that sort of nineties kind of way, but you know those those you know physical things are just fun to collect sometimes. So I like uh, I like the idea that they would keep keep doing it, and the fact yeah. that the the cloud is powered by Xbox hardware kind of ensures that. I think. Yeah. Like so, um, yeah. The answer cool. to that is I don't know. It's not <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what, what's, uh, what's next for you, man? I mean, like I've already said multiple times now, it's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you more and, uh, the growth is, is awesome and the coverage and love the content. So is there anything like, do, do are you the type of person that kind of thinks out that way where it's like, okay, next I want to accomplish X, Y, and Z, or are you yeah. just kind of taking it as it comes and seeing where it goes? Yeah, I am always thinking about what's next. Um, I've always been sort of like that. Um, you know, like when I was a kid, I used to, I wanted to be an animator for the longest time. I used to make cartoons and in flash and, uh, you know, the, the whole sort of, you know, you know, the stick men, you you might've seen those cartoons. They were big in the early two thousands, uh, stick death where like, you know, little stick men fighting and stuff. I used to make those cartoons. Yeah. And, um, it's really funny like all those guys some of those guys from that community like made it really big like the cyanide and happiness comic i don't know if you know that no um explosum.net you will have seen the comic it's it's like really big in memes okay like look look it up cyanide and happiness okay um, online. Find it really um, those guys all, all all used to be part of that stick death community and um they made it really big um but i just sort of like i lost patience for it at some point Okay. Yeah, but, of course. Yeah, so everyone's seen that. Right? Yeah, yeah, everyone's seen that. So I sort of like, I went from animating cartoons to being addicted to World of Warcraft. But then I sort of, I wanted to be a musician for a long time. So, okay. you know, as I was writing music all the time and, you know, playing guitar and recording and learn sound mixing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, got bored of that. So I was like, now I'm going to do blogging and stuff like that. And I'm by no means bored of blogging, but I also I always think about like what's the next sort of hobby I want to turn into sort of and try and find some sex, success with. So I've actually like started learning C sharp and uh, Unity game development recently. <laughs> I saw you some of your posts with Rand and <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was learning, I was learning how to like inject like uh, Unity's physics engine onto game objects the other day, and I just just added like loads of copies of Rand's head bouncing around <laughs> on Unity's physics engine. Um, 
you know so i've been doing that recently and i'm really enjoying it so far so i re- I really wish i'd started earlier because i don't know if i'm gonna be like too old and too slow to understand how to do it now but mm-hmm. hopefully like in five years i can you know look back and say man i'm really glad i started that now and i f- actually have a product that i can sort of you know put on xbox live or something that's and, uh, that'd be awesome but yeah i'm gonna try and do that i'm gonna try and make a game I've also, I've already got a game idea. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a shmup. Yeah. Like a now we're talking. All right. Yeah. Um. Well, you're flying a little a little spaceship in a very in a un, in what I hope is a unique setting. I haven't okay. found any games that have done what I thought what I'm planning on doing. Okay. So I'm hoping it's still original by the time I finish it. But <laughs> yeah, that's my next project. I'm gonna make a shmup. I'm gonna put it on Xbox Live. That is. So, uh, that's awesome, man. I. Uh, so first, that's that's incredible. So best of luck, you know, on that endeavor. Um, you know, I, I know you as well as I do, you know, see a lot of game developers and, and hear their comments. So it's it's obviously going to be a big challenge. Um, yeah. But, uh, that'd be great <laughs> to see uh, it come to fruition. But no, speaking of shmups, man, I mean, I, I grew up just, I, I love, love, love shmups. I, I adore them. Um, it's part of the reason I love Cuphead so much is it's almost like a, you know, animated cartoony shmup in a way. I mean, it, it just has very similar mechanics. Um, but uh, yeah, that's great, man. Did you do you have any shmups like what made you choose shmup as the genre you want to create? Are you a big fan as well? Did you grow up playing them? I played like I'm not. A, I'm honestly not a huge, massive fan of them. Like I remember when I was a kid, me and my brother used to play this game called Race Storm. I think it was called. Okay on the ps1 that was like a 3d shmup it was really really cool okay. um obviously like you know gunstar heroes had a few shmup levels in it yeah um ish or bullet hell i don't know if you want to call it that but um i don't know i thought like this based on what i'm learning in this unity course i'm doing i figure like it'd be a simple entry level kind of project that's maybe ambitious but not too ambitious hopefully okay. um so that's the main reason I chose that genre because like what I'm learning, I can like imagine in my head how the programming I'm learning would apply to that kind of genre. Okay. But, um, um, but yeah, so hopefully I'll get you to test it and tell me if it's good. Yeah, man, absolutely. dude, I'd love to. Any, once you ever get to the point where you've got something that's uh playable, testable, reach out. I'll be happy to. Awesome. So that's cool. Very cool. Well, best of luck with that, man. I, I, you, you touched on something earlier, very early on, that I just wanted to comment. And I made a note for myself because I wanted to mention it to you, is what you said about Tim. And, um, you know, you've had a few times where you felt like um, you wanted to pack it in um, or you just, you know, weren't whatever it was, uh, you know, kind of wanted to give up on this thing. And I just want to tell you from me that, um, yeah, I like I said, what you've done for the community, what you continue to do, the way you go about it, and uh, and the way you cover uh, Xbox and Microsoft and the ecosystem from the perspective you do without all the other nonsense that we see on a daily basis is really, really appreciated. Um, and I, I love seeing the growth of it because for someone like me who runs a site focused on staying away from the, the bullshit, um, it's nice to see someone like you experience that growth. So I, from just a personal note to say, uh, I hope you don't pack it up and keep doing what you're doing. Cause I think it's appreciated by more people than you may realize. I really appreciate that, man. Yeah. I always sort of like, 
I always sometimes I just get in my head. I think we will do it some yeah, sometimes, right? Yes. Yeah. Like Black Friday last year was really stressful for everyone who worked at my site because it's like, you know, it's it's the it's the month of deals. Yeah. And pretty much everyone everyone had like these really long shifts of posting deals. And I was like, I was so stressed about it. Um my resting heart rate was 130 beats per minute. Jesus, it was, and and I was like, yeah, and you know, I'm not, I'm not the healthiest person in the world, but like my resting heart rate right now is about seventy, so you know that that's that's that was a scary, you know, yeah. my rest, my resting heart rate was was that high, just because of like the stress of covering Cyberpunk and the Xbox Series X launch in the middle of Black Friday, craziness and and you know all hands on deck right about black friday deals and like the way amazon structures that whole thing is like you got to push the deal before it sells out you know and the lightning yeah. deals and stuff like that yeah. it was it was super stressful juggling all of that and i was just like you know this year i've, I've decided i'm going to take it a lot more easy than i did last year good um which is uh you know working out for me well so far but um and sometimes I go back and see like the DMs that I get and the, the nice comments and it really does keep me going. And I think I speak on behalf of all content creators where, you know, you, your nice comments really do help. You know? They mean more than people think. Yeah. Yeah, they really if you like, do. You know, if you like a YouTube video, if you like a web article, try and set, try and leave a nice comment because, you know, people that feel more motivated to leave a negative comment for whatever reason. I always try and leave nice comments and, you know, I like your content too, man. And, um, you know, you, you're far better at conducting interviews than I am. <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking like, wow, he, he left a note to ask me a question. That's, that's pretty smart. <laughs> I'm so bad at interviews, man. You have no idea. Um, but you know, it's, um, it's just, it's just awesome the way the community supports each other and, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I I echo all the time um, exactly that point that for content creators, uh, a simple like and especially a comment, a note, a tweet, whatever it is, right, um, where it's just something saying that someone appreciated something that we worked on, whether it be an article, a video, it doesn't matter. Um, it goes a lot farther than people realize. Um, yeah. And it, it means an awful lot. I literally have no joke. And I don't care if this sounds goofy or not. I literally have screenshots of like, when I first started season gaming and I first started to get some traction and like uh, Phil or Aaron or uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh God, why sop over it? Sony, uh, the indie studio head, um, you know, uh, anyone like that industry related that made a comment or shared it or just said something nice. Like I have screenshots of that. It just, it made my day at the time knowing that something I created, you know, kind of uh, elicited that type of response. So, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. And like, I think like it's important to not take that for granted. I think like where some content creators, like there is, there comes a point where you sort of, you, I think some people get comfortable with it and they sort of like forget that, you know, the things you say and the things you do, can have a really negative impact on other people. Yes. Like I always desperately try and remember that I am writing about the work of tons of engineers, developers and artists and right. people who are passionate and skilled and they've spent their lives learning these crafts. I'm always really cognizant of the fact that I have to balance 
telling people whether something's worth their money against, you know, respecting the hard work that went into the product. And I think like it's important to do that. 100%. To, you know, um, yeah, I, I think that's what drove me crazy about the Cyberpunk launch. Um, yeah, that, I hated that so much. Yeah, I, it, it really pissed me off because everything you just said, right? I, I get the issues. We need to talk about them, et cetera. I get all that. Um, but there, there's a way to do it the right way versus the way many, many people and, and even outlets handled it. I think like the cyberpunk thing was really frustrating because beneath the the weird anomalies, should we call them, there is a tremendously heartfelt game there. Correct. Like I Fantastic. I like I literally bumped my review score up after doing the that one particular quest that you know had Radiohead's music um, in the title Pyramid Song. I think the quest was called. Because mm. uh, it's um, it's near the end of the. I, I don't want to spoil it for those who yeah, haven't experienced yeah. it, but there's there's some like incredible side quests in that game. There are that are just yeah. like just magical. And like I did this one quest, and I was just like, man, this game deserves ten out of ten. You know, I've given. Well, I, we don't call it ten out of ten. We call it five out of five. It's annoying because we don't grade games on like a hundred percent scale because we we can only grade them on like half points. Okay. So like I could I couldn't give it like a nine point seven five out of ten. I couldn't drop it because of the bugs. But yeah, like I say, I played on PC, which was pretty respectable, to be honest. I play yeah. buggy games, and um, I think a lot of people were expecting this to be Grand Theft Auto in the future. Mm-hmm. But it was never, it was never in my mind that it was going to be a Grand Theft Auto clone. Mm-mm. It was always in my mind that it was going to be a Witcher game, and. I don't know. People wanted something different from that game, I think. But yeah, that whole thing was just like a complete circus and a freak show. Yes, it was. So much clickbait, so much things taken out of context. For weeks and weeks, too. I mean, it went on and on, and it just, yeah. I, I, to your point, like, you know, I was thinking about if you're an artist on that game, and some of the artwork in that game is effing phenomenal. Yeah, it's Um, phenomenal. And, you know, just all kinds of stuff, dialogue and quest design, like you just said, all these things, right? Take tens and tens and tens of people each. Um, and to just see all these articles all day long. I mean, I we saw some of the leads at CD Projekt right, posting that they had to take breaks and stuff because it was getting to them. And it's like, nobody deserves that. It's not. Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. It's, it was horrible, man. Yeah. I um, There are, I mean, there is blame to be leveraged. Yes. Like the the execs who were on the record as saying, we're surprised by the quality of the the base console builds. Like they said that in like October or something or, or September, something to that effect. Yes, I know. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. like I and you know, it's a it was a learning experience for me because I I played The Witcher three, and I'd seen that launch in a pretty rough state, and they'd yes, seen them polish up, and I like took what they said on faith and i shouldn't have done mm-hmm. but i did and like i assumed that you know i didn't expect the delta between the the xbox and playstation versions to be so big against the build i played on pc um but you know it is what it is i learned yeah. my lesson but <laughs> um yeah but the the amount of vitriol and the people forgetting that you know it's not it's not like some it's not any anyone's fault 
except the people who decided to ship the game. Correct. It should have just been delayed again. Yeah, they should have given more time. You know, um, it's like it's like uh, that famous quote where they say, um, "Is it Shigeru Miyamoto?" Miyamoto's about, quote. Yeah. yeah, about you know, uh, not to ship games too early. Yeah. Um, uh, I think it's a bad know. game. It's always a bad game. Whereas a delayed game will be eventually good. Something. Yeah, something that like that. Yeah. Um, they should have just delayed it and just not set a launch date. Kind of like I feel like what the devs of um, Techland are doing with Dying Light Two right now is a direct is directly influenced by uh, CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk by the fact they're not giving us a launch date. Yeah, is 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 hard evidence of the fact that it's the game they want the game to be polished and ready before they announce one. Yeah, um, they're offering they're doing a dev update for Dying Light Two this week, I believe. Yeah, but they've already said not to expect a launch date, yeah. and I think that is direct result of seeing what happened with Cyberpunk. Hmm. So, I mean, Xbox made the same decision with Infinite, right? I mean, um, yes, you know, it was, this isn't in the state that we want it to be in, and it'll come out next year. And even as they've given us great monthly updates i mean i'm a halo guy so i'm pumped um but even as they've given us the new pictures and updates and all this information there's they still don't haven't set a date other than holiday mm, yeah so it's a it's a it's a tough balancing act to balance the needs oh well i say needs the expectations of shareholders against like you know, retail, mm-hmm. retail pipeline and organizing all these logistics and trying to line that up with, you know, programming and issues that can arise unexpectedly of having to port the game to several different platforms. I think like the the fact that they they'd built Cyberpunk to be a next gen game and then tried to port it backwards yes. was a big mistake. Yes. Like they, they built a game for SSDs and then tried to make it work on a hard drive. It just uh I don't know. It was just, yeah. just, just bad, bad times. I, I can only imagine how frustrated some of those engineers must have been during that process. Yeah. Gosh, they should have yeah. just like they should have delayed the base games or just canceled them. I mean, maybe they can't cancel them, but they could have at least delayed them. I believe like some cross-gen games did that, whereas like I don't, I'm not sure if Titanfall did that, but there was there were there were games that mm. came out Xbox One and Xbox. The Xbox 360 version came out a little bit later and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess yeah. there's a lot of hindsight 2020. Of course, of yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the point is, you know, we were talking about the people behind the games, and it, which translates in a way to the people behind content is what we were talking, you know, started on that. Um, yeah. We got on our cyberpunk kick because I know you enjoyed it as much as I did. I mean, it was my game of the year last year. Um, despite the my issue. game of the year last year, easily. easily. Yeah, like, I, mean, I, just, I absolutely loved it. Like, sure, there was there was issues within the parts where I was like really frustrated with the bugs. There was one of those one mission where you have to infiltrate a warehouse, and all the enemies just kept aggroing me for no reason. Hmm. Like I'm trying to play stealthy. And they just all all aggro. The whole the whole base would aggro for no reason. When I stepped into like, it was like an invisible sort of trigger. Right. It just triggered them all to become alerted, and that was so incredibly annoying. But um, but you know it wasn't game breaking. You know, and I feel like other games have gotten away with bigger game breaking issues, like Skyrim, for example. Um, yeah. Skyrim had like literal bugs which would stop you from progressing the game and stop you from completing it 
Yep. Um, I never really encountered that with Cyberpunk. No, um, me neither. And I did no. every side quest practically, except for like that collect all the rogue cars quest. I didn't do that. I oh, you didn't know. do that one? That one's actually kind of funny because each one has like a either a goofy or it has its own personality. So each one is different. I just hate driving. I just hate driving. <laughs> fair like, enough. Oh man, I have to drive again. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Well, man, I'll tell you what, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, we've been talking for over an hour and a half. It doesn't feel like it. Uh, I've enjoyed the stories. I've enjoyed the insight. And um, like I said, you know, multiple times throughout this chat is uh, you're crushing it in, in terms of uh, just your perspective. And uh, I, I would say understanding. It's nice to see that understanding of Xbox's direction, the ecosystem, the hardware, kind of the whole picture. Right. Um, because as you said, there's a there's a lot of sites and journalists out there that just don't get it. And it's, it's frustrating when you look at some of the bigger places that don't get it, but uh, you and the uh, group at WC definitely do. And it's, it's refreshing. Um, so I think I we do it. have an advantage in the, in the sense that we only cover Microsoft. We don't have to like think about what PlayStation is doing and what Nintendo's doing. And I think like a lot of journalists get into the weeds and trying to like fit Xbox into a PlayStation Yes. box and like be like well playstation playstation's more popular and it's doing it this way that means xbox is wrong you know? right um unable to sort of you know material mentally materialize the fact that, yeah they can't um, yeah they, they can't separate for, the yeah it's, it's possible for two different approaches here there's enough room in the industry for two different approaches yeah. um I sorry, there was a lot of Nintendo Switch, uh, Switch skepticism when that launched too. Like he, yeah, sure. even I was like, "What the hell is that system?" Like, was, <laughs> so like, I still um, say that. <laughs> yeah, there was like, there was like, um, there was uh, when they announced that console, they did the whole um, young millennials playing playing party games on a roof with yeah, the you yeah. know with the with the joy cons and stuff and i was thinking no one's gonna play it like that but i literally have played it like that <laughs> at the party like you know and i was like oh my god nintendo was right they were right all along you know yeah so nintendo it just goes to is... show that it's like sorry go on no no i i think what you sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i think you were going to say that it, there's different approaches that can be successful right yeah um and, and each honestly if you look at xbox playstation nintendo the big three as we call them right they each are being extremely successful in three very different ways um and it's uh it's just yeah it's crazy but nintendo is a whole we could have a whole conversation about nintendo and and because they're an anomaly to me um it's just absolutely incredible what they're doing right now and and to me none of it really clicks like i understand it it's just not my thing um but it's uh it's impressive <laughs> yep but anyway man so i want to thank you uh for agreeing to sit down and chat with me um it it's just a pleasure getting to speak to uh people like yourself and and for someone like me who really enjoys these conversations and just getting insight from people all around the the industry different outlets different perspectives it's uh it's it's fantastic. So thank you again for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. It's always it's always a pleasure to speak to you. Like I say, you know, you're much better at interviewing than I am. And uh, <laughs> this was this was uh, awesome. Okay, great, man. Now thank you so much. So uh, anything you know, anything before we we wrap up, anything you want to shout out? Nah, just like shout out to the amazing team at Windows Central. Like a lot of people 
you know, I'm the Windows Central guy, but there is a big team at Windows Central who covers the news day to day, like Samuel Tobert and Zachary Body and Miles on the YouTube channel. And, you know, we've got another Zachary Cuevas who does a lot of our guides content. And, you know, Nicholas Downey recently joined the team yeah. and Jared Eden. We've got Brendan Lowry covering Halo. We've got a really big team um, of really passionate writers across the board. Um, and uh, they're all doing an amazing job. So shout out to them. Fantastic. Yeah. Nick, Nick was just on our show on Saturday. So, um, yeah, we, we talk quite a bit too. Good, really good dude. So, um, yeah, congratulated him on that because that was a a big passion for him, like you said. So fantastic. Well, great, man. So thanks again. Obviously I'll, I'll be in touch and, um, yeah, wish you all the best. I can't wait to see this schmuck, man. I'm looking forward to playing it. Hell yeah. All right, brother. That was uh, Industry Perspectives with Jess Corden from Windows Central, and we will see you next time. Peace.